Well, it's, it's good to be here as always and see everybody. As I get started today, I want to make sure, and by the way, thank you to Craig and Elizabeth for being here today. Um, they hold a special place in our heart and our family, so thank you to them for leading us in worship. Uh, before I get started, I want to make sure, you know, this week is uh, Veterans Day is coming up, and I want to just make sure that I say thank you to all the veterans. You know, sometimes we skip that and just kind of let that go by. Man, I'm so grateful to be uh, an American and to be in this country where I have the freedom to worship, and thank you for your service if you're here, especially thank you to those of you that have gone and have been in combat. Man, we just appreciate veterans, and thank you. And if you get an opportunity, please make sure you thank somebody who's a veteran this week, and don't pass by that opportunity to really show them your, your thanks. Um, so it's All Saints Day, and you know, thinking about life after death has always been fascinating to me. Um, do you think about it much? I mean, life, like after death, you think about it? Like just thinking about what actually happens um, after you die. Death appears so final and so fatal. You can no longer talk with the person. You can no longer interact with them. Their body is just a shell. If you've been in the room when somebody passes away and, um, and there's no life in them. Uh, when I was in divinity school, I took a class called Death and Dying. Um, it's actually one of my favorite classes. It forced me to develop a theology of death and afterlife. It forced me to think about what do I believe? Uh, we had to visit a funeral home. We had to read books about death. Um, we had to write our own obituary. We had to pretend that we had died and how we died. We had to make up and what age we were and plan out our own funeral. And it seems a bit weird, but to actually spend time reflecting on your own death was quite a challenge. And then you start thinking about, man, is there really something that takes place after this? Like, is there really something after all this, or is this it? Like, is this the end of it all? Billy Graham said, the way we view death determines to a great degree the way that we live life. And I can't agree more with that. Like, if you look at the different theologies of death, there's, there's several that I'll take you through real quickly. Just a few short thoughts on some theologies, some theories about death. Number one, some people think nothing happens. Atheists tell us when we die that we'll just stay in the dirt. That's probably the most hopeless option of all, that it's just all over at death. Number two, uh, some people say that um, you return to earth. For example, Hindus believe that a person will return to earth in some sort of different form, maybe reincarnation, depending on the way they lived in the previous life. Number three, you reach a state of nothingness. This doesn't sound too exciting to me, but Buddhists believe that after dying and being born again, if someone dies enough times, they might discover the state of nirvana, the absence of self and pain, just a state of really nothingness. Number four, you enter limbo. Our Catholic friends believe that after death, you can go to a place called purgatory. Um, there's no biblical support of this. Number five, some people believe that you arrive in hell. Why not all religions believe in hell? Three of the big, big ones do. Uh, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And then number six, arrive in heaven. A lot of religions embrace some form of the afterlife. Um, of course, heaven as Christians describe it is different than heavens as some other religions describe it, but not everybody agrees on what heaven is. So I guess what I'm saying, there's lots of takes on what happens when we die. So this morning, what I want to do as Christians, we have a specific belief, according to the Bible, about what happens when we die. And I just kind of want to walk you through that process. So um, here's what the Bible says happens when we die. First of all, when we die, the Bible tells us that we're present with the Lord. It says that we are immediately present with the Lord when we die. I want to take you to a scripture from Luke 23, 39 through 43. 
says one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Do y'all remember the story? There's two criminals that are on the cross beside Jesus. It says one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he's pointing to Jesus. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him. What does it say? He says, truly I tell you, today, when? Today you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus says, today, when you die, you will be with me in paradise. The Bible says, when we die, we are immediately with the Lord. Now you gotta think about this for a minute because this is really fascinating. One minute you're on earth and the next minute when you die, you're automatically in the presence of your Lord and Savior. That is just fascinating to me. So many people in this world just seem to think, They try and do everything they can to get all they can out of this world and live up this world. But there's actually an eternity that this life actually determines where we go when we die. There's an eternity on the other side of this. It's not just all about this life. It's not like you just, you just die and and it's all, it's all over. Second Corinthians five, six through nine reminds us if we're not here, then we're in eternity. There's no in-between, there's no purgatory, there's no holding cell, there's no waiting room. You're either on earth or you're in eternity. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9 says, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, and I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Amen? It'd be a whole lot better to be with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Once again, you're either here or you're there. There's no in-between, no purgatory. You're either in this temporal body or you're in the eternal life. You live, you die, and you stand before the Lord. There's no place where you're, you're in a waiting room or a waiting period and you're given three phone calls and you call somebody and ask for advice. There's, there's none of that. You're in one place or you're in the other. Now, this is really important because the Bible actually tells us that there's a step we can't leave out. A lot of people go, oh gosh, so I die and I'm in the presence of all my friends and I'm in heaven and everything's great and I'm done with this life. No, you can't go there because the Bible actually says when you die, you stand before the Lord, not just to give him praise, you stand before him for a judgment. See, the Bible's very clear that there's a judgment. We can't go straight to paradise. Some people talk about heaven and go, gosh, I can't wait till I die to go to heaven. I'm like, well, we got to talk about the judgment first because you have to answer to the Lord before you go to heaven or before you go to the other place, which we're going to talk about in a minute. There's a time of judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10, listen to this. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now you see that. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Not one person is not going to appear before the judgment seat. Nobody kind of gets a pass or a buy or whatever. Everybody has to stand before the Lord. When we first see the Lord, it'll be for an examination of our lives. It's not, oh, Jesus, oh, thank goodness, and you just walk right in. There's a judgment. There's a time where you're held accountable for the way that you've lived. Now, you've got to think about this for a minute because you've got to think about how is it that you've lived. Hebrews 9.27 says this, Just as people are destined to die once, after that face a what? A judgment. Now, I can tell by the look on some of your faces you don't like this. You may not even believe in this. It doesn't matter what you believe. 
It matters what the Bible says. I say that to people, I don't believe in a hell. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe. Nobody made you God. It matters what the Bible says and what God says. And God and Jesus talked a lot about hell. And the Bible's very clear that there's a heaven and there's a hell. And we have to talk about judgment. We can't just skip from earth to heaven and we're all happy. We have to talk about what the Bible says. There's only one counselor and only one person who can stand and who can mediate on your behalf when you stand before the Father. In other words, you can't go before him and be like, look, God, I was good. I did everything. I led Bible studies. I was a Christian. My, kid, my, kids, or, or, or my kids were Christian. My wife was a Christian. Uh, my husband's a Christian. You can't do any of that and advocate for yourself. There's only one advocate. There's only one mediator. There's only one counselor who will speak on your behalf. His name is Jesus. There's nobody else. Buddha can't do that. Your best friend can't do that. Your church, your pastor, I can't do that for you. If I'm up there, I can't speak on your behalf. Say, yeah, they were there each week and they were a good person. You can't do that. Jesus is the only one who can speak on your behalf. He is the counselor. The blood of Jesus is what covers us when we stand before God. The Bible is very, very clear on that, that he is the one that is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, there's going to be people who have lived in remote areas that have never heard about the name of Jesus, and we all have questions to go, gosh, are they going to make it into heaven? How's that going to work? You don't have to worry about that because God is the judge. What we have to worry about is the information that we've been given that we're supposed to share the good name of Jesus with people. And without the name of Jesus and without him advocating for us, we're condemned to the place that I'm about to talk about. See, you don't want to skip this part. The, the Bible's clear. It says that there's a book of life. You hear people talk about the book of life. That's not just a church of God or a Pentecostal thing. That's a biblical thing. The Bible talks about a book of life. Revelation 20, 12 says this. It says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now listen. It says, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The dead were judged according to what they had done in the books. Now, it's kind of scary to think that everything we're doing on this earth is being documented. But if you believe in a supreme God, a sovereign God, uh, 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 who knows all things, then you have to know that he can see you at all times. There's no hiding. You can try to hide in the garden like Adam and Eve did. You try to hide from him, but you can't hide from God. God knows all and God sees all and will be held accountable for everything that we've done. The only thing, the only way into heaven is that you have Jesus who's standing there and he's mediating and he's speaking on your behalf and he's going, gosh, Justin knew me. Justin called upon my name. I'm here. My blood covers Justin. He was a fool. He did bad things. He did dirty things. He sinned just like everybody else. There's some bad times. I actually think when we stand before the Lord for the first time, when I stand and I'm before him, I actually think it's going to be an extremely humbling and probably an embarrassing moment. Because I'm going to stand before him and be held accountable for all the bad and all the sin that I've done. And I would be condemned to hell if I didn't have Jesus who was standing there. And Jesus goes, gosh, he's one of my children. I'm here to mediate on his behalf. Now, the Bible is very clear that there's a heaven and that there's a hell. So we talk about salvation a lot in the church. We talk about getting saved, but nobody wants to talk about what we're saved from. We're saved from sin, which leads to death, which leads to eternal damnation, 
apart from God without Jesus. Now, these not my words. I'm delivering the mail. I didn't write the mail. I'm delivering the mail. When somebody brings you a bill in the mail, you don't get mad at the mailman and hit him over the head with something. You get mad at the person who wrote the bill. If you want to get mad at God, you take it up with God. But the Bible's very clear on this. Listen to the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1.16. 6 through 10. It says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus will reveal from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. Imagine this moment. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled among all those who have believed. And this includes you because you have, you believed our testimony to you. The Bible says when Christ returns, not everybody's going to be happy. Matthew 25 says there'll be a separation. If you read Matthew 25, it says it's going to separate, separate the sheep and the goats. Okay? You want to be a sheep, by the way, not a goat. Bad day, small joke, but it's the sheep and the goats. The Bible says they're going to be separated, and and uh, uh, and and there's a, there's a place with God. The Bible says very clear. There's a place where we go and we, we're with Him. It's called heaven. Um, it's 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 very different than hell. Hell is described in the Bible as it's a place of darkness. There's no light because God is not there. There's no joy. There's no hope. There's no next chapter. It's all eternal, and you're just separated from the Lord. There's no Jesus, that there's no body. It's not like you're hanging out there with all your buddies. Well, if I go to hell, I'm going to at least be with my buddies. They're not going to be, it's going to be dark. It's going to be alone. It's going to be isolation and separation. The Bible talks about it as a place of torment. You don't want to think of it as a place where you're sitting around with other people who went to hell and you're all drinking a beer, watching football. That's not the way it's going to be. It's horrible. The Bible describes it as a very bad place. I mean, Jesus talks about it a lot if you read the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you come up here and try to argue with me that hell doesn't exist. That's fine. But I'll tell you, let's sit down and read the Bible together because the Bible talks a lot about hell. The Bible also says that Jesus had come at any time, that we could avoid a lot of this, that uh, we could even avoid death. The Bible says um, that when Jesus comes back, one person may be doing this, another doing that, not expectantly, and suddenly he'll just arrive. And all of a sudden, light will maybe, I just imagine that there's a lot of light cast on the whole earth. And half the earth is sleeping, and half the earth is awake, unless you work night shift. But, uh, and, and, and Jesus comes back, and, and everybody's like, what's going on? And some people will know what's happening. Other people have no idea what's happening because they're not Christians. They don't know, but we'll know it's the return of Christ. And Christ is coming back to take his people to be with him. That will be a glorious day for some, but not for all. That's why you and I have a responsibility to reach people. You see, when he comes back, my thoughts are that that day is going to be pretty scary in some ways because there's going to be a reality that many people don't know Christ, including our loved ones, which we haven't told and shared Christ with. And so it's going to be a bad and it's going to be a scary day. But Jesus is going to come back and he's going to prove who he is to us. He'll come back a second time. That's why we call it the second coming. He came the first time and what did he do? He came and he lived and he died and he rose again on the third day and he proved to everybody that he was, he was who he said he was, that he was the Messiah and he showed up and he ascended and he walked around for 40 days and he proved to everybody that he was who he said he was. Well, guess what? He's going to prove who he was again. He's coming back a second time. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to talk quick because i got a lot to cover, but this is important. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. This is how our bodies will look when we, when we die. Listen to this. 
So it will be at the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, this one, is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body, it's raised in a spiritual body. Our bodies will be imperishable in glory and power and spiritual. We will get rid of this carnal, deteriorating body. Amen? Young people aren't saying it very loud. Old people are like, amen. You will have to get rid of it and trade it out. You don't understand what good news that is unless your body has ever hurt, you've had a chronic disease, or you were just getting old. Because you will be thankful for that. It's pretty fascinating. A new body, we don't understand the beauty of that until something goes wrong with this body. It says in verse 50, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. In other words, this body ain't going like it is. We will have a resurrected body like Jesus, different from the earthly body filled with flesh and blood. Listen to this. The body will be eternal. It says, verse 51, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Paul actually thought that Jesus was coming back before he died. He was actually looking for him. I mean, Jesus had done all this stuff. He saw him on the road to Damascus, and Paul's going, man, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to take me to heaven with him. Well, it's 2,000 years later, and he hadn't come yet, and we're still waiting. But the truth is, Jesus didn't tell him when he was coming back. Jesus actually said, I'm going to come back like a thief in the night. You won't expect it. One person will be doing this, another person will be doing that, and Jesus is going to show up. So what I'm telling you is we've been waiting 2,000 years, but you better expect him to come back maybe next week, maybe tomorrow, maybe today. You might not even make get to lunch. And if he does, amen. I don't have to, you know, do all the crazy stuff I was supposed to do this week. I'm just saying that he could come back at any time. See, Jesus said that he would return. And uh, listen to this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 6 through 17. It says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. That's pretty awesome. I mean, if he were just to show up today and be like, let's go. And then we got all this stuff about the rapture and premillennial, postmillennial, all this stuff. We won't get into that, but it says in verse 53, For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed, the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. One big fat amen from Justin on that. I don't know about you. <laughs> says when Christ will come back, he's going to set it all straight. The perishable is going away. The mortal's going all away. We're going to be imperishable and immortal. But the problem is you're going to be imperishable or immortal, one, in heaven, or two, in hell. So when you go, I'm imperishable, I'm immortal, that could be in hell. Or it could be in heaven. Here's what it says about Christians, verse 55. It says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus will have conquered death. Isn't that good news? Jesus will have conquered death. No more of this junk about dying and sickness and hurting and pain and suffering. We're going to be done with it all and have a new resurrected body. And I'm going to be praising Jesus in heaven. And nobody's going to be talking about how their knee or the back hurts. No more pain. All the doctors are out of work. I mean, we're just going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Like, we're going to be with Jesus. This is fabulous. 
says, verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Listen to that. It's not in vain. What you're doing is not in vain. If you're working for Jesus, it's not in vain. If you aren't working for Jesus, it is in vain. But if you are working for Jesus, it's not. It's all going to come to fruition. If you're down, out, depressed, sad, sorrowful, man, lift your head up. Jesus Christ is coming back. Even if you die, the grave can't hold you down. It didn't hold Jesus down. How can it hold you down? That's the promise. The same resurrection that happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. We will rise from the dead and go and be with God. Nothing can hold you down. Don't be afraid of death and sickness. Have no more fear. Jesus Christ is with you. Amen? Amen. All right. Make sure y'all got it. So, anyhow, that's a lot. Um, man, I know a lot of the people these candles represent, uh, and I know you do too, um, but we have hope today. We have hope in Jesus Christ. Um, I know there's a big service. I know the Stubbs family's here. I know we got a big service today at 2. Um, this is what we're, we're remembering and, and celebrating for all these families um, just remembering uh, the truth of Scripture. So it still hurts. We still mourn. But we remember and remind each other of the truth of Scripture. The last uh, verse I'm going to leave with you today, and I want you to remember this, John 14, 1 through 7. It says this, and these are the words of Jesus. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Y'all hear that? Some of y'all got troubled hearts. I know I do someday. I see it on your faces. You come into church and, how you doing? Well, I'm here. Well, that's good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm glad you're here. Um, or or you're, you're, you know, you're making it. But, um, but, but listen to this. It says, do, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Listen to that. Jesus is preparing the place. I will take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Amen. I've been to a few good parties. I, I really, I didn't drink in college, so my stories probably aren't as good as y'all's. Um, but, you know, um, I'll say this, man. Hey, it, I, I, you know, if Jesus is throwing a party and he's been preparing it for 2,000 years, it's going to be good. That's what I know. I mean, that's the Lord preparing a place for you and I. And I'm looking forward to that place. I'm looking forward to seeing my loved ones that have gone on ahead of me. It's going to be an awesome place. And so don't miss out, man. The Lord just invites you. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You just believe in him. The Bible says you must confess with your mouth that he's Lord and believe in your heart, and you'll receive salvation. That's just the beginning of a wonderful life with him. Um, he'll always be there and never leave you or never forsake you. And I praise God. I got to know him at a young age. If you're here, no matter what age you are, you should accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and start to serve him. And it's going to be a journey. It's not going to be easy. But he'll be with you, and you'll never be alone, and you'll never regret it. He'll be the best decision you ever make in your entire life. 
These kneeling rails are open. I'm here. We have prayer teams. We have communion. So there's plenty of opportunities for you to give your life and commit yourself to Jesus Christ today.